Welcome to Behavior Babes Podcast, presented by me, Dr. Amanda Kelly. Aloha, and thanks for joining me today. I'd like to talk to you a little bit about an exercise that I just went through in writing up and developing a revised educational philosophy and to see if it's something that you might be interested in learning about and developing for yourself. Take a listen. Educational philosophies. Do you have one? What does it mean to develop an educational philosophy? How do you know what it is that you think should be available and a part of education, a part of an individual's right to access education or information? As a behavior analyst, you can think about the article published in 1988, um, which talks about a client's right to a therapeutic environment, which talks about a client's right to effective interventions. It talks about the right to live a meaningful and productive life. Those could be part of your educational philosophy. When you're going through your own educational experiences, you are probably developing some of your beliefs around what education means and what the purpose of education is for our students, for our children, for our community, and how to best make that work. An educational philosophy refers to your vision, the grander purpose of education and its role in society. When we think about individuals who have autism or other related impairments, we may see um, that there's, you know, the right for them to function, to be a part of society, to have meaningful participation, to have jobs, to have, um, you know, spouses and to purchase homes or the things that everybody else should have a right to. That might be part of your educational philosophy because you're looking at the larger impact and the role and connection to the benefits to society and to everyone's right to be a part of their community. Educational philosophy questions involve such things as your own role, your vision for yourself as an educator or instructor, how you view students' learning, and how you think that they are best able to obtain the goals that you think are important that you might set for them as an educator or as a provider. An educational philosophy should guide a teacher's discussions. Um, This can help you in job interviews. But it's also what you want to be doing when you're communicating to others what's important, why you wake up every morning, why you want to be in this position, why you feel that what you and your colleagues are doing is contributing to a greater commonality and a community. Some questions to consider, some things to kind of keep in mind is, You know, what is the role of the teacher in the classroom? How do students learn best? What are your goals for your students? What characteristics do you think an effective educator should have? What worked for you as a student? Um, Talk about whether or not there are sort of those inalienable rights, like meaning that we all have a right to learn, but do we also believe that everybody can be educated? And I would say for many educators and behavior analysts, the answer there is yes, right? We need to be looking to ourselves. It's not the student. If something isn't working, it's not so much that it's our fault as the educator as much as it's our responsibility and we have within our own ability Um, we can change something, change something in the environment to make a learner more successful, more effective, right? That could be as little as making accommodations to where a child is, you know, seated in the classroom or whether or not they have printed materials, whether we're looking at partner or peer models. Those are important parts of maybe what you think students should have a right to or what you think would be a part of an effective classroom 
or educational situation, and you want to speak to that in your educational philosophy. What do teachers owe their students, and what do you think successful teachers are looking to gain from their students as well? So the knowledge, the growth that comes with being an educator is exponential. How do you create an inclusive learning environment, and how do you create an environment with your colleagues where everyone wants to work and to contribute and to come together? And do you incorporate new techniques, activities? How do you stay on top of the science? Are you going to conventions? Do you have a verbal community? Are you reading the literature? Are you branching out and reading literature in other overlapping areas? Those are all really important pieces to capture and to show when you are developing an educational philosophy. You know, a full philosophy statement would have um, several paragraphs. You'd be looking at having your introductory statements, um, as long as, you know, some additional paragraphs that would support those main ideas that you outlined. So you might be talking about your point of view, and then you might give examples of what the classroom could look like or what it looks like to be a consultant. Um, depending on your role, you might tackle this from a different perspective or angle. If you are looking to be a, an administrator or you're looking to be a leader, then you want to talk about what makes a good leader and how you can create inclusive communities um, from that perspective. If you're somebody who is really talking about being in a position where you're looking at curriculum and curriculum coordination, then what does it mean to be effective? What does it mean to be evidence-based? And what do you believe students have a right to access? Um, to me, I will share with you a little bit of my educational philosophy. Um, it's really that we have the right, um, I think that educators can create environments which can celebrate inspiration. We want innovative thinkers. When I think about, you know, uh, climate change, when I think about sustainability initiatives, when I think about what is happening to our earth, I think there's no greater thing for us to be coming together and tackling. And when we think about moments of desperation, I think that's when we do find ourselves celebrating innovation, right? When you are limited, when you can no longer use something that's plastic, what are you going to use instead? If you can't use that styrofoam container, what are you going to do? How are you going to either change behavior or change environment? So successful educators can create environments which can celebrate inspiration and innovation. And I think a lot of that has to do with relationships. When we model how we collaborate, when we have a sense of community, when we have a pride in our community, we take better care of it. And when we're a part of that and we think of our community larger in society, it's like, you know, how do we do that? I think it's done by celebrating creativity, by reinforcing collaboration, um, by really instilling that culture of caring. Every educator, in my opinion, should aim to be a part of a community that inspires and guides students. But we also need to be open to our own ongoing self-reflection and the ability and the willingness to grow. We do have a responsibility to educate children um, and individuals, uh, depending again on where you're coming from, where your voice is from. But if we're thinking about school situations, we really need to be the adults in the environment who give them the tools and the formulas, right? Because it's not about having the answer to a problem. The problems are going to change. They're going to evolve. It's about creating tools, techniques, formulas, and strategies for how they're going to approach new uh, situations, new challenges in an innovative way so that we can have students living productive, healthy, happy lives. I believe that students learn best, that we all have the opportunity to shine when we can do something that meets our best, um, you know, sort of modality or our need 
Are we visual learners? Um, do we do better with auditory? How do we communicate our message? Because what's important as a student is getting your point across. What's important as a student is communicating your ideas. What's less important is how you communicate them or what form you use to communicate them. Meaning, if we think about project-based learning, if we use dioramas and videos, podcasts, or posters, we can do that in place of traditional 10 to 15 page papers. If you are working at a school or if you are within, within an environment that is focused on students, that's looking at what they want, that's considering their perspectives, that has an understanding of, you know, just the natural trajectory of a developmental process, then you can see in those situations how the programs can be adapted. It can complement students' strengths, but still looking at those individualized needs. And I think that that's really going to be accomplished when we see things like smaller classrooms, higher staff to student ratios, having a consistent philosophy and having that community throughout your entire campus, which can translate into a school-wide acceptance for unique learning styles, which can really support, encourage, foster, reinforce those innovative ideas, those behaviors that's not easily found at many schools. So again, your educational philosophy could be talking about something that you envision, maybe something that doesn't exist but you want to be a part of creating. It's important to think about the roles of parents and caregivers because they are critical to every school community and its success. They know their child. They know the students that, that you're working with if you're an educator. And parents and caregivers bring perspective and insight that we as educators will benefit from knowing. Having an inclusive community means that you have systems for communication. You have to welcome ongoing dialogue and discussion if you're going to evolve. This can be accomplished by having an open door policy or regular office hours, making sure you're responsive to emails and phone calls in a timely manner, welcoming parents, visiting and saying, please come volunteer on campus and during school events. Now, if you're going to be working in an environment that's educational, you're going to have a system. And you, what every system needs is really sort of some structure and a good leader, right? We need all those pieces to work together. And that's going to happen when you see appropriate delegation, but also, again, when you see reflection. Successful leaders are those who remain open to receiving feedback. They're interested in actively seeking out opportunities and are willing to grow themselves. I feel that leaders are most successful when they demonstrate the ability to listen, when they take the time to process information so that they can synthesize the ideas from many stakeholders, and then they are tasked with the ability to communicate these decisions diplomatically, tactfully, you know, in a way that can be digested easily by others, even though they may not agree with your opinion. Effective leaders can communicate rationale and reason and can, I think, instill trust by others who they they have it with them in their community that they're working together with. And when you have trust as a leader, you can really do a lot of things, right? You can propel that community forward. It's essential for strong leaders to surround themselves with equally strong supporters, meaning if you are an administrator in a school, you want to have very strong teachers, right? You want to have strong personnel. You want people to walk into your school, into your environment, and feel welcome. By cultivating a community of respect for individuality, but maintaining that shared focus on a common goal, that's how leaders can help, I think, create inclusive communities and help them exist and evolve. An effective administrator is also knowledgeable and skilled in curriculum, culture, and relationships. And I think all three are equally important. A strong leader is someone who shows up, too, who can be present, who will get elbow deep, and whatever it is we're going to tackle today. 
In addition to learning side by side, you would like to see that a leader would have, again, a team that helps them with the areas they are not strong in. We cannot be everything to everyone, no matter who we are or what we do. And I think that some of the most successful administrators and leaders are those, again, who listen to their teachers and take an investment in making sure that they are healthy. Because we need educators to support each other, to support their students, and to be contributing, giving members in that community. And my educational philosophy, my belief is that we all have a right to feel safe and to be loved, to be understood and listened to and to be forgiven for our mistakes. We should learn and grow and try and succeed and fail and yet still be supported. And I believe that as educators, we can play, we do play a pivotal, formidable part, formative part of a child's life. We can choose to build them up when others may have broken them down or when a system may have broken them down or maybe they are just beating themselves up. But as adults, as educators, as part of this inclusive community, I believe that we have an opportunity and a responsibility to educate, motivate, to instruct, and inspire. In the words of Frederick Douglass, it is easier to build strong children than it is to repair broken men. And I believe this can best be accomplished when we work together. That's an example of an educational philosophy that has evolved over time from my own personal experiences, from having worked as a paraprofessional, a classroom teacher, special education teacher, a parent coach, a school counselor, behavior analyst, a coordinator of services over many years working in public schools, private schools, residential facilities. You can take an educational philosophy or you can take a philosophy of just the rights to effective instruction and treatment and think about it for your students or for your clients. Ask yourself, what do you value? What do you look for if you were sending your child there? What would you look for if it was a school that you could go to as a child? You have, I think, an opportunity, we all do, to create the future, to create the systems that we'd like to see. And a lot of that's going to start by writing down and developing that vision. So you can call it an educational philosophy. You can call it your path forward or your business plan or just your goal setting, your hopes, dreams, and fears, if you will. But whatever you do, give it some thought. Ask yourself what you believe in. And then ask yourself every day or every couple of days, maybe every week, check in and say, is this helping me go down the path that I want to see? Is this working towards my vision? And if not, see what you can change to get you where you need to go. Thanks for listening to this episode on educational philosophies. If you would like to learn more information about education and applied behavior analysis, please visit www.behaviorbabe.com. 